Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a very particular type, and then we report back the results to each other and you fine listeners. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went, and this episode's challenge is Can Premieres. Indeed, Cannes Film Festival is about to kick off. If you're listening to this the day it drops, uh, you got a couple days to prep before uh, before the first movie opens. So we thought, let's get in the spirit, let's get in the mood here. Um, as we mentioned on the last episode, the Palme d'Or winners was a list of like, I'm sure they're all great, like all the nominee, like all the winners. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the best of the you know world cinema at that time. But I just wasn't feeling excited about diving into that narrow of a list. So yeah. Widening, widening out the category with just films that premiered at Cannes was like, well, that's a ton of films. Also, there are some what the fuck movies in that list. I don't know if you <laughs> ran across that in your research or. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like Uncle Boon Me is that that's like one of the weirdest movies, I, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Ever, you know, but it it, it did win the the, the, the Paul Door. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I went. I went in a different what the fuck direction. Like I found out during this research that like Shrek one and two premiered at Cannes. Yeah, no, I like uh, actually. I maybe I read the same thing, but it was like you know that Shrek was so well uh, received and, and yeah. received like this huge like round of applause that they were like, if you make a sequel, we will put it in or something like that. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the uh, French need their joy, I guess, you know. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, yeah, there's that. There's also the um, the the stereotypical film nerd dismissal of like, oh, the French and their appreciation for American comedies has always been a little like, eh, I don't know. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but comedy is also so subjective. I was like, I don't know. But also, I mean, Shrek was legit like groundbreaking animation. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like the writing was sharp. I mean, the, yeah. as the sequels went on, that's when you get a little bit, uh, you know, it, it kind of milking the cow a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, uh, I think the most uh, well, there was one I, I when I was researching in 98, that horrible Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie premiered. <laughs> and I was like, OK, so if you're a big enough studio, can you just buy a spot at con to be like, Here's the de- like what what's the rationale for debuting Godzilla like 97 or 98 Godzilla at con. Yeah. No, it's a good question because I mean, I I know this year like they're they're showing Top Gun Maverick um they and are? I I think yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Like they're they're doing a big uh and I will always butcher these for, you know the big cross set uh premiere, you know, where so like yeah. Tom Hanks will probably or, or Tom Cruise will probably, you know, land on some kind of helicopter, you know, <laughs> on the red Whoa. carpet or something. You he know, he should parachute down and land. <laughs> Mr. You know, he's so obsessed with stunts. That would be yes. amazing. But but I do know like one of the Oceans movies premiered and you know, they, oh, they yeah. love that kind of stuff where they, you know, they can get the big stars and you can like you know, you can have everybody on the the big red carpet. Right, and right. It doesn't necessarily have to be that highbrow film that sure. is in competition, which right. which is usually more, yeah, the you know the <laughs> the highbrow fair. It is that's true, and uh, you know, I, I I love some lowbrow stuff myself. So I'm just oh yeah. Just like a, there's this the, like I, part of it too. Like I'm thinking about for this episode, I was like, well, what was like my first memory of Khan? Like when did that first appear to me? Like in the in the ether as a film geek. Um, and it's just, uh, m- my first impression is always like, it holds a place of like the best of c- contemporary world cinema yeah. as a showcase. And then you're like, yeah, but then also there's 
Godzilla or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was right. like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that is contemporary world cinema. It just maybe isn't something I like. doesn't mean it's bad. But I think, as I was thinking about it, I, th- I think my first realization of Khan or like, hey, I should pay attention to this was when Pulp Fiction won mm-hmm. the poem, which would have been nine, 94 had to have been yeah. that. Um, Because I remember that being like the cover. I was a premier premier magazine subscriber at the time, I believe, or filmmaker, one of the, you know, and it was like, holy shit, this like movie came out of nowhere and won the palm over here at this big illustrious film festival. Then we had to wait till that fall for it to come out. And I I feel like, I mean, that was the first time I probably heard of it before, but that was the first time I was like, I need to pay attention to this festival. These are the movies they're putting out and, and, you know, given best picture too, I need to start watching these movies when they come out. Yeah. And and I know I'm a few years younger than you, but I do remember uh, seeing the VHS tape of that, and I think mm-hmm. in big, bold, you know, bold font mm-hmm. on on the top of that, you know, that iconic image of Uma Thurman smoking a cigarette. Oh yeah, you, you see Best Picture Ken Film Con right. Film Festival. You know, yeah. and I don't even know if they called it Golden Palm or whatever on on that, but it was just you know Best Picture. Right, you know, right, and, yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, as a young person, when I saw like the VHS tape, because obviously I wasn't old enough to see it in the theater, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that that's what kind of I, I think is the same that that got my yeah. attention to what you know, and I I'm sure for several years after that, I I still didn't know exactly what it was. Um, oh yeah, but, same here. Because there wasn't like an internet to run out to and like look up past winners. I had to like okay, do I check for other video boxes or try to find like a video hound. Right, like previous award winners or something in that book somewhere, but yeah. I do remember somewhere discovering that again. I was like, well, maybe I was at film school by then. Where I was like, oh, the French were really appreciative of David Lynch before we were here. Oh in the yeah, States. and I think uh, like the Coen Brothers' first movie, you oh, know, was, yeah. was something that uh, uh, Blood Simple. I think that's where they got their breakthrough uh, before yeah, you know making it big out here and stuff. It, it's just, I mean, they obviously it is like one of the longest running festivals in most pretty much most yeah. prestigious, I would say. Oh, for sure. I think so too. Yeah. I looked up, I, I didn't realize it went all the way back. It started in 46. Yeah. 1946. I was like, that's a solid run. It was one yeah. year where they didn't because of the May 68 protests and everything. Uh, solidarity move. But other than that, well, probably COVID was a little, I mean, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, <laughs> we'll <fall out> there. <laughs> Do you keep up though? Like uh, when you see like, Oh, something's going to premiere at con or like something wins the Palm d'Or or the camera or Dior or best picture, or I'm sorry, best actor, actress or anything. Uh, you know, I, I would say, I mean, I'm a very faithful reader of IndieWire. And mm-hmm. even though sometimes I don't always agree with things, I, I think their, their coverage of, of con is, is so great. Um, oh yeah. And you know, it seems I, I'm sure they only, they only have a few staff writers, but they're, they are earning their money that week because they have, <laughs> you know, it seems like they're seeing everything, but, but yeah, I, I think I do tend to try to pay attention when, when the awards, when the awards are announced. And mm-hmm. thankfully these days, a lot of those can con winners, I'm sorry, I keep saying, I, w- I want to say the Ohio version can con when a lot of those winners tend to play not too long after the festival where it used to be, everything would come out in December or something. Yeah. Now, like some of the things like, like the film, you know, we talked before we started recording uh, a 24 has this movie men, uh, mm-hmm. by Alex Garland that's going to be premiering and it comes out May 20th in theaters. So, you know, it gets a slot 
at can uh, con <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it it plays in the theaters just a few weeks later so like if it if it does potentially win anything you know it has that buzz to like ride off into and you know maybe get some butts and seats i don't know maybe beyond a cinephiles if does it hold a lot of weight i don't know um any maybe as it it used to or something but um but when i surely when i see something like um you know punch drunk love i think uh, paul thomas anderson oh, yeah. won best director that year and mm-hmm. so you know that that was something that i was already excited for it that was like right, right. my peak first year of college but now seeing that it won that you know, maybe really excited to see it. Right, right. As if you need any more reason to get overhyped. For right, a new <laughs> exactly. Movie. Now I have another reason. Yeah. I remember just spending a, a good number of years managing an art house theater, or just working at them too. I, there was one down in Dayton that I worked at when I was in college that there was this luster of like, oh, we, you know, we finally, there's a distributor in America for, you know, X movie, whatever, that yeah. one, the Palm or, or, or something one of the top like directing prizes or uh, an actor actress, like uh, especially if it was like a known one, like if a, I don't know, a Joaquin Phoenix or Nicole Kip, mainly American actors, sorry, but you know, sure. if they win the best actor prize, like that movies gets, we assume we get a bump in the theater. And for some reason in my head, I always remember 2006, the wind that shakes the barley, uh, the Ken. Oh Lynch, yeah. Like that. I believe that won the palm that year. And then, you know, I don't remember when it came to the theater, the art house I was working at, but it came we're like, Oh, it's the palm winner. And I was like, crickets like nobody i mean there were people coming out the diehard the cinephiles that are in cleveland here that you know are, are committed to you know the theatrical experience and everything too we're out for it but it 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 went to like one of the small theaters within like a week and it clearly could have just started there and it's like oh man yeah yeah i mean so it really depends i think to connect on the american side at least here even in an art house or a repertoire you know like locally here the cinematech or something it takes a certain one to connect with like butts and seats also Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, and I know like, yeah, at like the Cinematech or Cedar Lee, it's like, they will hype it in like the, the weekly emails to, to try to get more people to say like, Hey, this one, all this things, you know, right. Right. Obviously that always connects with me, but you know, the, the general audience, you know, they're like, Oh, award, who cares? You know? Right, right. <laughs> well, like we but, said, even though like you have a Godzilla or um, what was another one I looked up like dirty dancing premiere, right. <laughs> Not exactly highbrow stuff. I love Dirty Dancing more than Godzilla, obviously. But like, yeah. not highbrow stuff, but it has that whiff of just like, oh, that's one of those hoity-toity kind of yeah. awards. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's different than, I'm trying to think of another, like Sundance Film Festival would probably have a better track record at the Art House box office in America than the Cannes Film Festival Best Picture. Yeah. You know, actually, one one other one I had, I just, uh, I just read that premiered at con was a uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> oh man. Now we're talking. <laughs> I know. Like I, I wonder if that got like, you know, at least a 20 minute standing ovation. That that's so, what I'm, I don't know. That's yeah. what I'm hoping in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the few Rennie Harlan films. I will rewatch anytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy does over the top action. Like nobody. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd totally be like a time travel fly on the wall. Like I want to just be sitting in that, that audience watching that movie. Oh yes. Well, so as we're, we're looking stuff, did you have any um, honorable mentions that were uh con premieres that you wanted to shout out? Yeah. I mean, um, one of the, one of the things that, uh, 
I was actually very surprising to me that was a con, <laughs> was a con premiere and one that I, you know, it's just uh I I tend to revisit every December uh Creep Show. George A. Oh, Romero's Creep Show. That was one of my honorable mentions too. Ah, Good ah, taste. Yeah, yeah Romero, uh, man. Yeah, I mean that's, you know, it and I think that that movie holds up. I mean, just because yes. of some of its humor and and all that i mean it's just it's one of those things that uh I, that's why i i just like to revisit it a lot you know i mean obviously we've already talked about it but you know probably pulp fiction is like yeah if if you know for those of the uninitiated who don't know anything about con i mean that is probably the standard to to say you know like this is a thing that that broke there and then took mm-hmm. over the world yeah, uh, essentially. <laughs> yeah, um very much. And then I I would also just um you know the the most recent winner uh Teton I think is uh highly worth a watch. It's not for all tastes. Um but it it was one of those movies that uh it it kind of floored me when I saw it uh you know just a few months ago in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh I was just pinned to my seat uh it, it, it was advertised as this you know the most disgusting movie or something you'll ever see and i i found it to be not that at all like uh it was actually quite moving at, at parts mm. surprisingly and uh i know that it did when uh i think spike lee was the was the juror and so, he, yeah. he kind of had a gaffe where he he announced it at the beginning of the ceremony instead of at the end. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> like, that. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah. you know, usually you have to lead up to that and he just kind of let it out. Let it out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm sure it, it didn't, it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't even make the Oscar shortlist mm-hmm. for foreign film, but right. uh, I don't know. It, it resonated with me for whatever reason. Something about cars, I guess. <laughs> I gotta bump that up. I still, I, I haven't watched it. It came streaming pretty quickly. Yeah, and I still haven't clicked play on that one. I, I highly I suggest it. Yes. Yeah, but probably wait till the the, the kids are uh, asleep. Oh, okay. Yeah, not around. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? <laughs> well, I agree on Creep Show, so I'll skip that honorable mention. Um, I had one from. Uh, 1991 that made a huge impact on me when I was, I didn't watch it in 91. I found this on VHS like later in the nineties, but I had no idea until doing some research that I like, Oh, this premiered at con. Um, and that was boys in the hood by John. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, another RIP director actually. Um, Yeah. I mean, Romero was elderly. Singleton went far too young. Absolutely. Yeah. That one, that one had a, a, a real, real strong impact, but also putting Boys in the Hood is from 1991 in that context of like the indie boom. It's like mm-hmm. just showing its face a little bit here in American independent cinema. And man, that movie will knock you on your ass. Um, oh, yeah. That was a that was that was quite a hit. And um, one I haven't thought about in a really, really long time. But when I was looking up, you know, what stuff had premiered at Con, which actually, as we were talking about before we recorded, it's hard to find like a master list of. I mean, you can get like the award winners. You, you just Wikipedia list them all in order. But I was like, yeah, I mean, the premiere to come like play like, OK, I guess I'm just cobbling together my own. Did that one premiere? And I look it up and see if it did or not. But I ran across uh, L.A. Confidential from 97. Oh, yeah. Oh, which my has gosh. got a really um, I ran across it actually in a story about how like the studio didn't want it 
to premiere there, but like Curtis Hansen and some producers were like, no, no, we need to get this in at con. And then it had quite a, quite a, I think it screened out of competition, I want to say, but it, it had quite the, uh, you know, the rave reviews started with con, which I was like, oh, okay. yeah. I'm not necessarily in favor, but I guess that's sort of how the industry works of using a festival launch as like the start of the PR and marketing campaign. Absolutely. It worked out for you, but I was like, I think LA Confidential would have found its uh, audience anyway, but that gave it more the air of like, you know, this is a, this is an important film um, and all that. Yeah. And, um, and when that came out, that was, I mean, it was the same, unfortunately the same year that Titanic came out, but uh, I feel like if Titanic didn't, that probably would have swept the I think so. the Oscars that year. I mean, if that that what is it? That I was thinking of as the crash theory that how the Oscars love celebrating L.A. movies and stories. Yep. Like my crash one, like well, L.A. Confidential clearly would have won then. Oh, definitely. It wasn't you know, <laughs> Titanic year. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your your actual pick, Mike? What's your actual watch challenge pick as a con premiere film? Yeah. So i uh, I went uh, super uh, modern. <laughs> Okay. And uh, I picked something that premiered at last year's festival. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, this it premiered in the Uncertain Regard section, um, and it is by the director. And I I had to phonetically uh, write out how to say his his name, <laughs> but Coco uh, Nada. Okay. Um, so he uh, directed a film a few years ago called Columbus. Uh, that uh, was a, a really like uh, just kind of uh, uh, beautifully um, kind of thought thoughtful film. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, a lot of like um, there's a lot of pauses there. You know, there's a, it's a very atmospheric movie. I think yeah. you would call it. Um, so this movie is called After Yang, and um, this uh, it's a very very unique film. It stars Colin Farrell. And it also stars Jodie Turner-Smith, who um, she was in a movie that that filmed briefly here in Cleveland called uh, Queen and Slim. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And it also stars Haley Lou Richardson, who was in Coco Nada's uh, first film, Columbus. Yeah. Um, so the the plot of it is basically it's it's slightly set in the future and uh they've adopted a young um asian girl and uh per uh all the adoption agencies now mm-hmm. uh typically you you also um bring in an, an artificial intelligence uh robot basically to be a sibling to the the adoptee okay. um so uh in a very like interesting um uh, opening credit sequence you know the, the family are all dancing to this like you know they're in this kind of like competition and okay. you you notice right away that um that the robot whose uh whose name is um yang um is kind of off there there's just something that's not quite in sync and this is where it it kind of kicks the story into it where pretty much Yang is, is defective now and they have to, um, you know, Colin Farrell then spends, you know, the majority of the runtime trying to figure out ways to, to fix Yang because there is now like, you know, for the daughter, there's a a huge emotional connection. Um, And as, as uh, he starts to um, go down this like path of trying to, trying to fix it he discovers this little camera that has all of yang's memories 
And he starts to realize that Yang, while being artificially intelligent, mm-hmm. um, had had emotions, had people that uh, you know had a love interest, um, had all these different things. It's it's a really I I was actually quite moved by it. Um, and it, you know it's like it's one of those things where you know it's a movie about a robot <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the day. And uh, but but I think once again. Uh, this director who, you know, I, I'm just, I'm hoping like he doesn't like fall into like a Marvel, uh, you know, big, big studio oh, movie trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it would be nice for him to make money, I'm sure. But, uh, but I, I just am, I'm very impressed with this director, the way how he controls the frame, the way how he works with the actors is just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's these movies that, um, they're kind of quiet there. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. w- once again, you know, there's a lot of thoughtfulness behind them and it, it nearly made me tear up nearly. nearly. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, who knows, maybe on a rewatch, I'll just be a blubbering mess, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but it really, you're like, Oh, it's going to be, yeah, it really leads to a, a satisfying conclusion. And, uh, now this movie, uh, it premiered last year and then, okay. A24 either acquired it or they they helped produce it but they put it out there um straight to Showtime. Oh. network. So okay. like it played in a, a handful of theaters and um in all that but so I'm I'm a little afraid that now and I don't know I mean I'm sure a lot of people there's probably a, a good majority of people who have Showtime or whatever and they can just easily watch it but um I don't know I I have this feeling like because it's already been put out there yeah. on Showtime that it may not get the, you know, the watches or the respect that maybe it, um, it deserves. Uh, but, uh, highly suggested, uh, after Yang. Nice. Yeah. It's, um, another one of those like separate larger conversation, but like the whole, like the film's just lost in a digital release schedule, like on a streaming platform. Like, yes, I keep forgetting. I love Richard Linklater, which I'll mention reason why I just made that connection in just a second. Um, but his new one, uh, Apollo 10 and a half was on Netflix. And I keep forgetting it's there. Cause like, I don't see any critics talk about it. I don't see any friends. Talk, or no, and I was like, no, I need to go watch that. Why do I keep forgetting? It's I, I need some buzz. There's no buzz anymore. Yeah, no, I I have the same thing because like I've I've scrolled past it several times and I'm like I should definitely watch this. I should definitely watch this. I'm gonna watch Jerry Maguire again or something <laughs> like that. You know, like why do I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hit me extra hard just because like the last two movies I watched were rewatches because I just wanted to experience that movie again. I was like, I have all these new ones I need to watch. I'm like, no, I'm watching all the Presidents Men again. <laughs> um, so wait, uh, help me out real quick again. The pronunciation. Hogonata. Uh, Co- Coco Nada. So his name first popped up to me. Well, obviously with Columbus, his first feature film, mm-hmm. uh, you referenced earlier, 20, probably like 16 or 17, I think. Yes, 2017. They mentioned um, a lot of reviewers were mentioning um, that he's a he's an essayist, like a video essayist. Oh, yes. And then when I was looking up stuff that he he had done, I'd seen several of his video essays on Criterion editions. Also, yes, are one of the topics we just discussed on a previous episode. <laughs> Um, and so like I went back and watched, I think it was a Wes Sanderson one and I swear there was a Richard Linklater one, but I cannot remember which film I want to say it was like on the before trilogy maybe or something. 
Yeah, I know he definitely did one about Kubrick that is Kubrick, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in 2001 specifically, I think. And it's – I've watched it. It's like maybe like two minutes long, but it is like right, – right. It's so eye-popping and yeah. everything. Like he just knows how to – capture that and it's it's kind of inspiring you know for for some somebody who started like that and then ends up foraying into features i think that's pretty awesome yeah i think so and because he, he's very especially like the way you said the way he handles like frame itself and framing yeah. his scenes and his images um especially columbus that's the one i've seen just like the architecture in that like just the way it's shot oh, like, yeah why don't they just always shoot architecture this way? This is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you know, I want to yammer on in my pick, but like, I, I just think like he, where so many f- people, uh, so many younger filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, it's all about moving, 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 you know, must right. cut fast. Like, you know, he goes these long takes and yeah. just, you know, very, very thoughtful. It's, it takes a lot of patience to do that. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's why I think he's, He's one to watch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So which which film did you end up picking? I was looking specifically the like the shout outs that we did, um, and and the honorable mentions I wrote down and some of the ones we were making fun of, the Shreks and the Godzillas or whatever. I was like, Well shit, those are all American films. Khan is a world <laughs> a survey <laughs> yeah. of contemporary world cinema. Um so like, you know, um, like after Yang's a great pick because like that's a that's a whole wild mix of different cultures and, and different things coming together. So I wanted to try I did want to limit mine to like specifically something that wasn't an American film as my pick. Sure. And then as I was looking through to see um oh actually it was after I looked up um LA Confidential and how like the producers didn't want it to go there or whatever. I was like, I wonder if there's like I kind of wanted to find one that had a crazy maybe like story about like being at con itself. Yeah. Then it occurred to me, I remembered the art house theater I just previously mentioned, uh, working at the Cedar Lee for years, there was a movie. I don't even think it ended up playing at the theater. Now that I think about it, I think I saw it at the Cinematheque. I couldn't wait because in 2011, the version, the 2011 edition of the Cannes Film Festival, uh, Jafar Panani's film, This Is Not a Film, mm. premiered there. And it popped into my brain specifically because he, I remembered he was on house arrest at the time. I didn't actually look up to see what he's doing now. I don't know if that's been lifted or not. Yeah, but the, the story about this is not a film was that it was smuggled out of Iran. So this is an Iranian filmmaker, part of the Iranian New Wave, wildly respected, hugely inf- influential filmmaker. He smuggled his finished film, this is not a film, out on a flash drive hidden inside a cake yeah. <laughs> to the Cannes Film Festival, and then they announced. I want to say it was like seven or eight days. What you know, it was, it was pretty close to when it was going to happen. Um, the festival itself, and they were like, "Oh, we've got the new Jafar film is going to be playing here at the festival." This year. I was like, "What? I got to see that movie. That is a yeah. crazy story." This dude's on house arrest. He shot it with like an iPhone and a digital camera. I should have looked this up. I feel like he maybe had a co-director somewhere in there. Uh, he shot it um, in like four days over like a ten-day period or whatever. <laughs> um, and honestly, it ties perfectly in with um, with after Yang and Columbus and. Uh, Kokonaga in, in general, because it's kind of a, it's a video essay, really. I mean, it's a documentary officially, yeah. but it, it really has the feeling of like a video essay and it tackles all these different, first of all, it's a really fun and easy movie to watch. If anybody's worried about a foreign film or something, it's not, it's yeah. just really into film. It's definitely one you should watch because it tackles the idea of like the, the power of censorship can have to silence art, but also the power art can have to respond to censorship it dives into like abuse of state power because part of the, I guess you could call it sentence that, or no, it was a sentence. Like he was, um, 
He had a six-year prison sentence and a 20-year ban from the government from filmmaking, conducting interviews, writing. I don't know how you enforce this, but I was just like, yeah, it makes a movie in response to getting that kind of a uh, political sentence. I was like, yeah, I, I need to watch this one. This is really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the ultimate, like, fuck you, too. Absolutely. <laughs> to Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck you, smuggle it out inside a cake. Right. festivals in the world. Um but it's also like it's very raw and also like he didn't make it as like a pretentious like 20 year old. Like, yeah, he is a world renowned uh, film artist at the time that he made this movie. And he's got thoughts on the power of art and the nature of art and what it means to create something when your limited resources are like your fucking phone and a digital camera. <laughs> but also, like if you're being monitored at all, you're not supposed to be filming or writing or creating and uh i was like okay yeah that uh so anyway yeah i i I, uh saw it years and years ago at that point well 2011 yeah a good 10 years or so but um it's just it's such a a great kind of love letter to all those ideas i was just mentioning and um but done in like this really thoughtful i feel like more like essay video essay kind of vibe kind of diary um i remember at the time i was thinking like kind of has like a little taste of like a found footage sort of but not in the yeah. way that we're I mean, like blair witch or something just like sometimes like there's a couple scenes where it starts filming scenes is kind of a strong word it's all in his house but like <laughs> it starts up and you're just like wait why is he filming this now and like it, it, it like just the way it kind of evolves and you just sort of sit with it like you said it's not quite like the long takes like you're getting in after yang or columbus um, there are some, and it's it's very deliberately composed and thoughtful, but then there's like, that's an interesting way to film a phone call with your lawyer or like, you know, so yeah. you get some context to it. You don't have to know anything we I was just talking about. Although if you're listening to this, you did hear all that <laughs> to inform your viewing of it. Like it tells you what's going on within the context of the film itself too. Yeah. I, I do remember that, that getting like a lot of praise and like, I think it was a pretty big thing at this you know at the cinematech and i mm-hmm. i know he, he played some of his other stuff i want to say he made a movie like something about taxi cab or yeah it's just called taxi um this taxi okay yeah, yeah. no that one's great too because he did it after this is not a film and if you look up his filmography on um on wikipedia like it does the columns one of the columns is always notes like oh they did the, oh he also did you know set decoration whatever the note on taxi was made illegally <laughs> Which he actually has in a few of his movies. So he did, this is not a film, 2011. That was, um, uh, he got banned after the movie Offside uh, came out in 2006 or so. And so, or that's when he was sentenced or whatever. So then 2011, Made Illegally, this is not a film. 2013, Closed Curtain, Made Illegally. (laughs) (laughs) Made Illegally. Um, And then he did Three Faces, which also played at Cannes in uh, 2018 or nine, pretty recently. And won um, some award there as well. So I mean, it makes you wonder, like, like who can make a movie in Iran? I mean, I guess except for uh, Oscar Ferhardi or something, you know? Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like he's he seems to be the one like churning out movies, and but uh, but wow, I mean, it's just I don't. know. It's kind of incredible that that he's he still makes these, even though he's you know not really allowed to which is ridiculous to me but right no absolutely (laughs) um but then also i i believe it i just saw his son made a movie i just watched at this year's cleveland film festival um called hit the road oh yeah that was great that's his son which is just a road trip in iran also probably going to get him arrested um (laughs) because it has some thoughts on you know uh the political structure of iran right now but 
It's also, if you go back and look at like, as, if you look at Jafar's filmography, if you watch um, Offside or The Circle's really good, I think The White Balloon was one of the ones that kind of kicked off the Iranian New Wave back in the yeah. late, or mid-90s, I think. You're, you're going to watch, if you watch any of them, you're like, oh, these are banned movies. No, 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 no. They're not banned like you're thinking <laughs> as far as like banned <laughs> content goes. You could watch all of them and be like, and? Because <laughs> you're not thinking like, you know, uh, repressive, you know, religious dictatorship would, would be thinking about it. Yeah. By the way, uh, you know, for any of our listeners out there that that hit the road movie mm. I've seen is now starting to slowly uh, open up around the country. It's getting like pretty rave reviews. So, oh, know, yeah. Look out for that one. It's, it's absolutely. Pretty and because uh, also like it's hilarious. Yes. Um, I just went. So I was like, oh, I haven't seen an Iranian film in a little while. Like I want to see a new contemporary Iranian film. Oh, it's the son of a director I really admire. And then watching I was like, wow, I'm laughing almost constantly at this movie. Yeah, that was my last uh, streaming uh, choice. Uh, you know, I actually oh, nice. I had it right at the at the wire, like it almost expired. But I, I was glad that I got it. Mark on the, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, well, Mike, your pick is uh, for our next challenge. Sorry, you're picking the next challenge. So, what have you got in store for us for uh, next time? Well, I figured because it's uh, the unofficial start of summer, uh, let's try out kids on an adventure movie. And nothing says summer like kids on an adventure. <laughs> You're on summer break. There's no responsibilities. There's no school. Time to get your friends together and get into some <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> I am. Uh, any parameters for that one or just? I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be there. it's going to be slightly tough, I think, because like I've watched so many of the 80s ones. So yeah. I, I might have to might have to dip a little older for this. You know, that's a. Good point. I immediately was like, I'm going to get nostalgic on this one. That sounds like yeah. I'm going to visit something. But I was like, you know, no, I'm going to I'm going to pick something I haven't seen before. I'm going to make yeah. that one of my criteria. But <laughs> yeah, like, can I go back behind my before my childhood? Like, are there movies from the 50s that are kids on an adventure or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. or I might have to go super new. I I don't I don't always like to go super new, but uh, I don't. Netflix seems to be putting out stuff every week that's <laughs> square, squarely at kids. So <laughs> that's true. But also, maybe you want to pick something that's good yeah <laughs> but uh it's cool. all well, we it's will, all subjective aaron <laughs> that's true, that's true. all right well we will find out next time talk soon mike have a good one